Mr. Jared has a special. Now, Brother Michael talked this morning about having to get a little closer, redo your line, your commitments. So, uh, that kind of brought this song. I like this song anyway. I hadn't sang in, in a, a little while, so just a closer walk. Good to see this good number. 
and uh, glad the Lord brought you back for this evening's services. Go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 7. I want to speak to you tonight on the subject of uh, a bold message, a bold message, and uh, God wants us to be bold. This is the sermon from Stephen. Stephen wasn't a preacher. He was just a church member. He was probably kind of the forerunner of what we call a deacon and uh, just a servant of God that the Holy Spirit led the church to pick this guy out. The preacher said, Look you out among you seven men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this matter. And uh, this is one of them. Philip was the other one that was used by God in verse 51. So I want you to look at Acts 7 and verse 51. It'll be in your Bible or up on the screen, either one. And Stephen had these bold words to say to the people there in Jerusalem. He said this, you stick stiff-necked and uncertain, and that just means uh, hard-headed. Uh, I know you don't know anybody hard-headed. I don't know if you're married to anybody hard-headed. Uh, but that just means you hard-headed people, uncircumcised in heart. You know what that means? That's a, it's a cliche. It's a cliche. It means you're not saved. It just that you're lost. Uncertain means... You know, that they, they were Jews on the outside, but they didn't know Jesus on the inside. And that's what he was referring to. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. You're doing it. So do you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to speak your word. May your spirit soften our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. A bold message. Now, God wants us to be bold. He does. I know that. It's in the Bible. We need to pray for boldness. Now, this is not boldness like I call, I allude to every now and then, my Mamaw Reese boldness. My Mamaw Reese was bold, but she was always bold in, in a fleshly way. And uh, she still is. And uh, even at the nursing home where she's at now in Garrison, Texas. Uh, being bold this way means I'm going to be bold because I want to get my way. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to get my way. I'm going to be bold because uh, you ever heard somebody say this? Well, if you don't stand up for yourself, you know, people will just run you right over, you know. So be bold that way. Nothing wrong with standing up for your rights and stuff like that. I mean, that, that's but that's a different type of boldness. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with being bold to uh, to to maybe if you're trying to haggle somebody over a car, be bold and. And, you know, haggle them down or whatever. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the type of boldness. That's not the type of boldness that the Holy Spirit wants us to have. Nothing wrong with those types of boldness. Uh, in other words, I, I need to, you know, to, to get a job done or something like that or to get a price down or something like that. Bold, but a lot of people will be bold with a price. A lot of people will be bold to get a discount. A lot of people will be bold to to make sure that nobody runs over them. Very few people will be bold for Jesus, though. That's a whole different genre, a whole different kind of boldness there. In other words, you know, people will say, I don't care what people think of me. But when it comes to standing for the Lord, they'll shrink back uh, faster than a flower in the hot sun. 
And because being bold for Jesus means you're going to be a lot of times all by yourself. And it's really not bragging rights except other Christians. You can't brag about this to the world. We won't be that bold. You can't brag about this at work. We won't be that bold. But when you can brag on Jesus to a lost person, you've reached a type of boldness. Notice what I said. When you can brag on Jesus to a lost person, you're, you're, the, you're getting there. You're getting, that's, that's a different kind of boldness, isn't it? You see what I mean? There's, again, nothing wrong with being bold on, on what we call, you know, fleshly things like I need to get my way. I need to get my discount. I need to, to get a job done. There's nothing wrong with, but, Again, standing up for Jesus, standing up for the Lord, being bold with your faith, not your rights. matter of fact, being bold as a Christian means you give up your rights to serve other people, to serve other people. And so we see this here, and I just want to fly through Acts chapter 7 real quick. It's a long chapter, and uh, I call this the Continuing Journey Series. We need to pray for boldness and... Uh, and so, matter of fact, we see you have to back up to chapter 6, verse 9, to see this setting up. So back up to Acts 6, verse 9. There arose certain of the synagogue, which was called of the synagogue of the Libertines, and Cyrenians, and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia, and Asia, disputing with Stephen. In other words, a bunch of big political people. Religious people disputed with Stephen, and it says, And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. And then notice this, when you can't beat them, uh, go out, steal, cheat, and do whatever you got to to beat them. That's what the, the world still thinks. That's politics, by the way. Verse 11, they suborned men which said, we, in other words, they got some people, some false witnesses. We've heard him speak blasphemous words. Verse 12, and they stirred up the people against who? Stephen. Man, this fellow is bold. He's just being bold right up. He's standing on the steps of the Capitol in Little Rock, and he's preaching Jesus. We got to do something. Let's pass a law, something. And that says in verse 13, they set up false witnesses, which said, This man cease, does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place in the law. And then verse 14, we've heard him say that this Jesus of, of Nazareth, and they started taking the words of Jesus out of context and talking about destroy this place. And notice verse 15, as they were arguing and fussing about Stephen, what they say about Stephen? Everybody that sat on the council, they looked at his face, and they were blown away by his countenance. It looked like the face of somebody had been in the presence of God. Folks, can people see that kind of boldness? Not a boldness of anger, not a boldness of I'm gritting your teeth, I've got to get my way, but a boldness that people know that you love the Lord more than anything. That's pretty cool. That's described in that very last verse of this chapter. And that's what I call the charges. The sermon, I won't go through it. It's a long one. Matter of fact, the whole sermon is from chapter 7, verse 1 to verse 53. To, in the Bible, uh, 
genre. That's a big sermon. I want you to look at a couple of places, though. Verse 37. In Acts 7, 37, I like this. It says, and this, he was preaching, he came to Moses. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you. Of your brethren, like unto me, shall you hear. And guess who that was? That was Jesus. And then he goes on to talk about, well, you know, David wanted to build God a place to, to be. He said God shouldn't be in a tent, and that begins with verse 44. And uh, so they had a tabernacle, and our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness. And then it says uh, in verse 45, which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drove out from before the face of our fathers under the days of David. Then it says, who found favor before God, talking about David, and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. Verse 47 says this, says that, but Solomon built him a house. Solomon built the temple. Now I want to say this before we look at verses, uh, these last few verses. And where it says in verse 48 through 50, How be it the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where, What house will you build uh, me, saith the Lord? And what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things? In other words, did you know God is saying here basically, He's too big to dwell in a building. Which means this, that God doesn't matter. And you say, well, God's here in our presence. Yeah, He is. But did you know at the same time, He's also, I don't know how many churches there are. Let's just say there's 250,000 churches having church right now. <laughs> he's in every one of them. He's that big. So He can't be contained, amen, in just one building. He's bigger than this. He can be in your heart and my heart in this church and every one of those other churches and god is not impressed by our building he's impressed by your heart that's what he's looking at that's what he wants to see he wants to see a heart that's bowed down he wants to see you as a broken man and if i can be before you as a broken pastor then i'm in good shape to lead be a broken pastor and one that desperately needs jesus and that's what stephen was willing to be and by the way remember me talking about the four levels of commitment this morning i know him follow him surrender to him and what was the last one die for him guess what he's about to do he's about to die for him he's that surrendered He's the, oh, he's that committed. That's the word. Am I ready to die for Jesus? I can tell you, I can stand here before you uh, the last day of May 2015 and say that I am, but I won't know until the time happens, will I? Mm -hmm. It'll come down to it, won't it? And it, none of us in here, I can pray, Lord, help me, give me the strength, all that, but when it comes down to it, he was willing. Let's wrap up this uh this last part. Man, they got all upset. Man, he started preaching. I call it the accusation. 
And then it says, uh, verse 52, which the fathers have your fathers not persecuted, and they've slain. And it says, even now you're the betrayer and murderer, verse 53, who have received the law of dispositions and have not kept it. In other words, you've got the Old Testament, but you haven't kept it. In verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they started biting on him. <laughs> That's pretty, I'm going to tackle you and I'm going to bite you, okay? And uh, But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And when they cried with a loud voice and stopped their ears, they just said, Stop preaching, I can't take it anymore. And they took him and they grabbed him. And they drug him out, and they cast, verse 58, and they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen. Now this is at the end. The cost that he gave was his life. But the effect was dramatic. Verse 59, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. One of the greatest acts of forgiveness. Matter of fact, uh, true Christianity is found in how willing you're able to forgive somebody. The depth of your love and the depth of your relationship with Jesus is measured in how well you're able to forgive someone. It's a direct reflection of your heart. That's tough. I know. It's just, I mean, it's throughout the Scriptures. It is really hard. But notice this, verse 60. I mean, I've been watching that, uh, our DVR is recording it right now, or will in a minute, at, series called ad they did a pretty good job i've always preached it and they portrayed it just like i preached it which anybody with that studies it knows when they stoned stephen they didn't stone him with pebbles like in our parking lot when they stoned stephen they picked up rocks the size of grapefruits and they killed him and as that rock was headed toward his head he uttered verse 60. Lord, don't hold them... I'm going to put it the way I talk. Lord, don't hold them accountable for what they're doing. Lay not this sin to their charge. When you can forgive and even pray that... not, Not only you, but think about it this way. There's two levels of forgiveness. You forgiving them, and then you saying, God, would you forgive them? Because a lot of times we, we, our prayer is, I hope God gets them. I hope God gets them and gives them everything they've got coming to them. The second level of forgiveness is saying, not only do I forgive them, but I'm praying that God would not hold them accountable, but would bless them. That's a level that most of us don't ever reach. And by the way, that is a very difficult thing to ever say. 
or and it means. Whatever God's laying upon your heart tonight as we prepare for a hymn of invitation, I pray that you would just let him lead you. Father, as we bow our heads, we just ask that you would guide us in seeing that boldness for you is something different. It's different than trying to win an argument. Boldness for you is not like trying to to get our way kind of boldness. But boldness for you means that I'm willing to let you have complete control in my life and being able to go public about it, being able to speak up for you. Even to the point of when people throw stones to act in a Christian way when they do. Lord, help us to act in a Christian way when the world throws stones at us. In Jesus' name, amen.